0: Welcome to the Love Witch Podcast, where we have conversations on sexuality, spirituality, and more. My name is Gwen Walsh, and I'm a sex educator, a tarot reader, sexuality and spirituality consultant, and your host. Let's get started. All right. Hello, everyone. We are back finally after a, a long grad school hiatus to the Love Witch Podcast, and today we're going to be talking with one of my dearest friends and frequent collaborators, Davina Daris. And we're going to be talking all about sensuality, boudoir photography, uh, ancient philosophy, all that good stuff. So, Davina and I always joke that we are the best people in the world to eavesdrop on. We will go out to dinner and drinks all the time and just talk about creativity and sensuality and eroticism and philosophy and all of these different things. And we always say, or at least I always say, that we should record ourselves so that people can listen in on our conversations. So at long last, we are finally capturing one of our conversations. So hopefully it's a good one and you all enjoy it. So, as per usual, um, these are unedited, so you are hearing the exact organic conversation with all the fun ums and ahs and oohs and all that good stuff. So I hope you enjoy this, um, and hopefully we don't have too many barking dogs or anything like that, but we'll see. So anyway, Davina, would you mind introducing yourselves to the wonderful people listening today? Hello.
1: Yes, my name is Divina Daris, and I am a boudoir photographer and an intimacy coach. I like to deem myself as a sensually stoic guru, if you will, because the way that I approach sensuality and boudoir, the way that I approach, the way that I coach people is very unique. Um, It's very different than the norm. I like to combine the philosophy of sensuality stoicism and an art, um, ultimately. And so it's kind of like my way of embodying the metaphor of the mind, body and the soul. So that's how I do my thing.
0: (laughs) I love it. I mean, naturally, I love it. Um, If any of you follow me on Instagram, you will see that Davina is pretty much the only person that I allow to take pictures of me. Um, (laughs) And it's always such a wonderful time, emotionally, creatively, all of that. Um, So I can personally attest to the power of Davina's photography, boudoir, and just in general. Um, And I really love the philosophy that you kind of weave into your work, whether it's the writing, the photography, any sort of the artistry of what you do. Um, So I'm really excited to talk about this with you today, because like you said, kind of the two of the main pillars of your work are sensuality and stoicism. And usually we think about sensuality as like the fun, romantic, um, sensuous, like appreciating life, invoking all of the senses, finding the eroticism in all of the big and little moments and this lively, vibrant way of seeing life and engaging with life. And then we think of stoicism and we maybe think about like old men with beards who existed 2300 plus years ago. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So so I'm really interested to talk about this with you. I mean, we've discussed it many times before, but for the good people listening with us today, um, let me, gosh, where do I want to start? let's talk first about like what is your philosophy around sensuality for people who might not be um, as familiar with sensuality
1: yeah so usually when people think of the philosophy of sensualism, a lot of people they usually think of their mind goes straight to sexuality they think of pleasure Most people think that that's someone who is constantly chasing pleasure in some type of form. And even though sensuality is very pleasurable, to me, sensuality is the ultimate way to be grounded in your body because it's so much more than anything primal, I guess. Like, it's not really about the lust aspect. It's really about like being present and being centered and really enjoying everything that you're experiencing, whether it is something related to again, sexuality or it's, it's perfumes. It's the way you wear something like the fabric on your skin or it's, it's being outside in nature. It's the way you feel um, like the water on your skin. If you're to go into the ocean or when you're hiking, the way you feel like the rocks beneath you to me, sensuality is Again, it's just like the ultimate way to really be in your body. And that was, it was something for me that I just found so incredibly healing because it felt like I was being present with no one other than myself. And it truly feels like just such a gift to you. And it also makes you feel connected to what's around you. And I think it's just to live with the intention of, you know, enjoying your surroundings and to really like, dive deep into the things that you do and that you're passionate about it's so much more than anything surface level amazing
0: yeah and and <laughs> I I love how you speak about sensuality as and sensualism as this appreciation for um as Sabrina Claudio says the subtle things in life and yes how, <laughs> exactly yeah and how it's not just about um the hyper sensational stuff that we maybe see in marketing or a uh, traditional erotic film or anything like that. Not mm-hmm. that that stuff is inherently bad. We try not to place things on a hierarchy, but rather appreciate, um, the big things, the little things and everything in between, as opposed to having one set standard for this is how it should be and nothing else. And I feel like That intellectual and emotional and perceptive creativity, if you will, of appreciating the slight scent of you know flowers in the air or, um, the appreciation of like the beautiful green color of the leaves, you know, when we're shooting in your backyard or whatever. Yeah, definitely. I think, yeah, I think that's really what. Allows sensuality to be a holistic, full body, moment to moment experience, if you will.
1: Yeah, definitely. To me, it, as you said, it really feels like it's about the subtlety, finding the beauty in that. And I'll also say it It just feels it's more about like the allure, the mystery. Again, it just makes you feel present because it's less about the goal of whatever it is you're trying to do and more about enjoying the process and really being in that. You know, it's it's like you enjoy the slowness of sensuality. That's what makes it beautiful and enriching.
0: Exactly. It's not a means to an end. The means are the end, if you will. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) And I tell people the same thing. Um, When we talk about like orgasm, for example, and pleasure in Mm -hmm. an intimate experience with oneself or with partners, it is not a goal oriented or a goal directed activity. It is an enjoyment of the moment. And whatever naturally, yeah, and whatever naturally comes from that experience in the present moment is beautiful inherently and valuable inherently yeah Mm -hmm. so (laughs) moving towards uh kind of the day-to-day of your work um why did you decide on boudoir photography like what is your philosophy about it and what kind of pulled you to want to contribute in that way
1: Yeah. So my journey with boudoir photography started, and I would say 2017, I had been doing fine art photography for about two years. And so my goal with photography in general was always, I wanted to help people and I wanted people to feel seen. I wanted to show them a different perspective, but I feel like for the two years that I was doing it um, originally, I really struggled with finding my niche. And then the first time I did a boudoir session, it was with someone she introduced it to me and she was like, I really need help taking, um, like fine art nude, like fine art nudes. And I had helped her. And I remember just kind of like watching her like really light up and be in her skin. And all of a sudden it just like sparked this, um, just this, like, I guess like fascination where before I was so nervous to even, um, like consider doing Boudoir photography. Cause I was, just so different back in the day. Um, But the more I researched it, I really loved how empowered these women felt. I really loved seeing people light up um, from simply like being in their bodies and empowering themselves in a whole new way. So I'd say that was like how I discovered it. And that was when everything like really clicked where I felt like, okay, this is it. Like this is the, the creative vehicle of how I'm able to really help people in the way that I want to. And for me, like what boudoir photography means, it's, it's not about the visual. It's never been about the stereotypical um, like red lip, red heel, kind of like hotel room glamorous looking type of um, girl that you see in the photos. For me, boudoir photography is all about um, authenticity and it's about vulnerability. And to me, nudity, for example, is a symbolism of that. So to me, like boudoir photography for what it truly is at its core, it feels like, like the catalyst towards, again, helping you connect with your most deep rooted self. Because when you're able to be, you know, naked with no one other than yourself, that's when you're really able to find self-acceptance. It's like being able to face that, that fear and discovering that it wasn't as scary as it was in your head. Kind of like when people say, if you're nervous and you're speaking in a room full of people, they say, imagine everyone else naked. But I feel like when it's reversed and you're the person who is naked with just yourself and you're okay with that, that is like the ultimate way to really loving and seeing yourself. And boudoir photography has just, it's just like opened my eyes in a whole new way of not only how I see other people, but how I see myself. And I feel like it's just enabled such genuine and wonderful connections. And I just love how happy it's made people and seeing people walk away and feeling like they've almost like
0: entered a new
1: relationship with themselves.
0: <laughs> that is so beautiful. And I love how you speak about the the symbolic act of being nude, and it of course mm-hmm. makes me think about like my own personal library of meaning with like nudity in the tarot. Whenever there is a nude figure in the tarot, it represents an honesty, an openness, a vulnerability with the self. Like the first yeah. figures that come to mind are like the lovers and the star, and both of those indicate like the lovers indicates emerging of the different facets of the self and a union with the self that you might not have otherwise found and a sense of union yeah with your purpose and the star is of course like literally being the star in your own life and also this honesty with yourself of what are the ways in which I want to contribute to myself and to my world and Mm -hmm. what are my values like what are the values driving that and it just makes me think about how like there's so many ways that we can symbolically clothe or cover ourselves if you will or hide behind various things whether it's status symbols, like, oh, I'm a CEO and like, that's my source of power, as opposed to like, I am who I am and that's my source of power. Or whether it's like hiding behind things like, oh, I have this amount of wealth. I have this job title. I have this, you know, uh, social connection or whatever, or whether it's kind of covering or concealing ourselves through experiences like numbing ourselves with various substances. Like Mm -hmm. people talk about alcohol as like liquid courage or liquid confidence of like, oh, I can only perform this way or enjoy this experience if I am altered in some way with a substance. And so thinking about physical and metaphorical nudity as just having the raw experience of life of ourselves without anything to conceal or contort that it, it yeah. can be a very scary thing for people but when you are able to spend time with yourself just present with yourself present in your own mind without anything altering that that is such a beautiful thing when you're like, wow, I can be in my own head, in my own world, in my own self and enjoy that. That is yeah. that kind of piece as I think what we're all really reaching for. And we're not necessarily going to find it by buying the newest skincare product or joining the latest wellness trend. It's more like when you can just find that in the raw, real Organic experience of yourself. That's all you yeah. need. <laughs> yeah, definitely. You
1: described it beautifully. And as always, um, thank you. But, but yeah, it's just about, you know, looking inward versus looking outward. And I just think in a lot of, you know, the industry of boudoir photography, a lot of it is kind of like playing dress up, mm-hmm. which is fine. There's nothing wrong with that. But I think that the reward is greater. When again, you're really like embracing the rawness of that vulnerability and really looking at yourself for who you are. So it's just, it's a very different outcome. Cause I feel like a lot of the times when women feel like they're playing dress up, it's like more glamor oriented. It's almost like it's fun for a moment, but then as soon as, you know, you walk out of the studio, you take everything off, you just feel like a different person. So I don't know. I think that when you have the experience of it happening in its most organic state that stays with you that's an experience that you'll remember and i think that it will like follow you into other parts of your life because you'll remember what you did for yourself
0: absolutely and it um going to go current events for a minute here it reminds me of i don't know how many people have seen the Barbie movie yet? But it's been <laughs> <laughs> it's been out for a week or two now at, at the time of this recording. And um, I don't want to, if you haven't seen it yet and you don't want any spoilers, mute you, mute me for the next couple minutes, but it reminds me of this scene in the Barbie movie where Barbie is talking to Ken, like Margot Robbie, Ryan Gosling. Um since there's like 50 Barbies and 50 Ken's in the cast and Barbie (laughs) is saying like, you need Ken, you need to discover like who you are. And Ken says something like, well, I know who I am. I'm your boyfriend or I'm a surfer dude, or I'm this guy with this big fur coat or whatever. And Barbie says, no, like those, those can be aspects of yourself, but that's not who you are. Like you deserve to really figure out who you are and love yourself for who you are, not by who you're dating or what you do or, um, the things that you might be famous for or whatever. And I believe, if I'm remembering it correctly, there's a moment where Ken is wearing this like massive, ridiculous fur coat. And he like literally takes off the fur coat and like tosses it to the ground. And it's this like really sweet, symbolic moment of someone realizing that they don't need to be and they shouldn't be beholden to gender roles or status symbols or these things that we perceive as indicators of who you are in our society in america in the western world and this question of who am i really aside from the stereotypes the status symbols etc i think is something that at least i know i've experienced in the setting of a boudoir shoot of like when i am not wearing any makeup any clothes any whatever when i'm just existing as who i am Like, these are the questions that are brought up in that experience. And obviously, it is a lifelong continuous experience. We're never like, okay, I had, you know, this one experience, this one retreat, whatever, and I'm set for life. It's a continuous development always, because we're always getting to know ourselves better. But it is so beautiful to have these moments of real peace and centeredness of, oh, this is who I am. This is what it feels like to be content with myself without needing to rely on external validation sources of whatever, like I can just be with myself and that is more than good enough. And the the whole Ken off thing. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah,
1: no, definitely. I would say my favorite thing um, that people say to me whenever they they leave a session or they get the photos back, people have always said, you make me feel like me. And mm-hmm. they say it like I, it's, so many people have said it to me. And it's it's literally just like what fills up my heart because that's always been my goal is trying to, you know, like shine a light on who you are and, you know, you finding your own acceptance with that. So I, I love being able to provide that for people and for people to say, like, when they look at the images that I take of them, they're like, I feel like I'm looking at me. I don't feel like you were trying to, like, turn me into something. You weren't trying to make me um, feel better by, like, being anything else. It's just, you know, making people feel more comfortable in themselves. And yeah, it's truly there's honestly no more beautiful feeling because in today's society, as you were saying, we, we define ourselves based off of our social media status, um, if we, we all have like the verification symbol, um, you know, and our career and all these, these things. And it's not that any of that stuff is bad, but at the end of the day, like the person who you are is what got you to all of those successes and to live the life that you live. It all starts with you. So you have to remember who you are deep down and the version of yourself when, you know, not all the eyes are on you and you're just alone, like by yourself. You have to be okay with who you are and um, having that just self acceptance and love for your true nature.
0: Exactly. And it really makes me think about sexuality and spirituality because you know, I got to tie it all back to that. Of course. (laughs) It really (laughs) makes me think about sexuality and spirituality as a whole, as individual Mm -hmm. subjects and merged, that they are not about one singular copy and paste formula of this is how sex is supposed to go, or this is how you have to do things in your witchcraft practice or whatever. It's the beauty and the challenge is finding what works for you as an individual. So again, like you're not dressing someone up in a certain like, oh, all boudoir photo shoots have to be red lipstick and red high heels. And you're not saying like, oh, this is how your sexuality should be. This is what a sexually liberated person should look like or whatever. It's more about let's discover who you are and it really makes me think, too, about like the whole kind of celebrity or rock star um, uh, tale, if you will, of they are this caricature of themselves that's very appealing and idealistic to their audience. And that's that's the marketing of it. Um, and they have throngs of fans who love them and flock to them and are obsessed with them and whatnot. But what is the experience when you are sitting by yourself alone in a hotel room? Like, are you happy with who you are or not? And that's, I think, the most difficult thing, because whether we're talking about the world of rock and metal or the world of wellness or whatever, the challenge is money can't buy those things. Money can't buy inner peace. And while Of course in a capitalist society um it is very uh fruitful financially to act as if the newest wellness trend or the next best skincare product is the key to our happiness and we only have to pay x amount of dollars in order to obtain that ultimate happiness and fulfillment that's the thing is like it's never going to be that way and so when i hear people talk about like oh, I'm so envious of my coworkers because they have a collection of designer shoes and bags and like, oh, they're so much better than me, et cetera. It really hurts my heart because you know me, I love my designer shoes and bags. Mm. And at the same time, if we have those things, but we don't have a sense of inner peace and we don't have the contentment with who we are at the end of the day, when we are physically and emotionally nude, then all of the other stuff doesn't really matter.
1: Yeah. Yeah, exactly. You know, you can't place happiness on external or materialistic things. Happiness truly is something that comes from within you, and you have complete control of that. And happiness looks different to every single person. But it's, you know, going back to the, to what I said prior of the little things are the big things, you know, and I just think that when you place your happiness on things of, you know, fashion and money and all of that, to me, you're putting your happiness in this box. And it's it's almost like, your amount of happiness that you have in yourself is based off of like what people perceive of you because all those other things, they're very flashy things, you know. And so but when it, when it comes to like being happy with just you, that's, again, just something that has to be like when there's no eyes on you. Um, I don't know if I made sense just then, but
0: <laughs> I think you, you always I mean. make sense, at least to me. <laughs> I don't okay. know, all y'all listening. Let us know if we're making sense, <laughs> because <laughs> okay, we kind of just get in our little rabbit hole spiral of like all this talk. But I love it personally. Yeah. So let's see. Um, I want to ask you too. This is a big question. Um, so feel free to answer it in parts, but. <laughs> Um how did you discover sensualism stoicism boudoir like all separately like what do each of those things mean to you and collectively like how do they go hand in hand how did you kind of piece together this beautiful mosaic of like ancient roman old man philosophy and <laughs> um sensual infinite like all of that stuff
1: yeah Okay. So it's, it was a bit of a journey, not going (laughs) to lie. I feel like I discovered all of this in the midst of my early twenties, which was a very interesting time as it is for every early 20 something year old. (laughs) So I just, I discussed already how I discovered boudoir photography that was in its own way, how I discovered sensualism. However, Um, when I was about 20, about to be 21, I had gone through like a really bad breakup I was really sad. I was feeling really distraught and disconnected. And I was trying to find ways to connect with myself again. And I would say for the bulk of my life, like when I was a child, I was, I was pretty sensual and pretty tactile, but then there was just stuff that happened that made me kind of like lose touch with my body. So after this relationship, when I was 21, I was like, I really want to get that part of myself back, but I was feeling lost on how to do that. And that's what I think a lot of women struggle with specifically. Um so it's it's a big thing but what really got me into it is that I read this amazing book that I've talked about so many times um Pussy a reclamation by Regina Thomasore that book oh my god it changed my life to for lack of better words <laughs> and it really was this this moment it's like I had this epiphany where I realized that the woman of my dreams was something that resided in me. I didn't have to keep like looking at all these other women and thinking like, I want to be like them. I want to be this way, or this is what beauty looks like, blah, blah, blah. And I started to really like, I started to really spend a lot of time with myself, but I was fixated on pleasure. I spent like a solid (laughs) three to four months doing all of like the research that I could in terms of sexuality but then also in terms of things like fashion and makeup and it was kind of like I was like reconnecting with my inner child and sensuality was just like this game of play this I don't know if that made sense this game of play for me (laughs) absolutely Um, and I was just really like immersing myself in it as crazy as it sounds I like went off social media for a few months I wasn't talking to many people I was kind of just asphyxiated on sensuality as a philosophy and I was just like reading all these books and doing all this research and really just prioritizing myself in this manner and then I feel like that kind of just it almost like took over my world and I wanted to live more sensually and passionately Because prior to that, I lived in a way where I felt so disconnected from my body and from that part of myself that once I had found it again, it just kind of like took over. Um, And so that was like how I discovered sensuality. Again, the book, Pussy of Reclamation, everyone needs to read it. It applies to every woman ever, whether you are like a teenager learning about your body or you're in your like 20s, 30s, and you're you're going through life and going through a breakup or if you're going through a midlife crisis, it applies to absolutely everyone. It's amazing. Um, so that was for sensuality. And I would say for stoicism, um, I discovered stoicism in November of 2021. And how I discovered that, again, I was going through a difficult time. I feel like I've discovered all of these beautiful elements when I was experiencing some type of turbulence. And I I don't know, I think you always find the most beautiful things when when you really need them. And I was in this place where I had turned 24, I think it was, and I really wanted to reconnect with like my um, inner masculinity. <laughs> but when I say that, I don't mean gender. I'm mostly talking spirituality, like the how we all have a yin and a yang. And I wanted to be like more career focused. I wanted to be more ambitious, but I felt so defeated due to stuff that was happening in my personal life. And like, I couldn't, you know, control how other people were perceiving me or talking about me whatever and stoicism is just this beautiful philosophy that has been around for like thousands of years the you know like ancient romans used to use it and like amazing like like uh, just like emperors back in the day was an, an incredible philosophy that applied to everyone whether you were you know a king or you were a slave Anyone can practice stoicism, and that's the beauty of it. And I think when a lot of people think about it, they're like, oh, someone who is cold, doesn't feel anything, you know, like a macho man who just has no spirit. But that's not the case. Like, the beautiful thing about stoicism is that it gives you the ability to focus on the things in your life that you can control, which ultimately is you, how you process things, how you respond, how you go about your actions, But it teaches you to let go of the things that are entirely outside your control. And that is anything external, like other people. And, you know, really terrible events that can happen in this world. It doesn't mean that you don't care about them. But again, it really focuses on what you do about the experiences that happen in your life and how you endure them and like building resilience. But it really does encourage you to still keep your humility and your passion it it doesn't you know tell you to be void of feeling um and when i had discovered it i just again read so many so many books on it and was consumed by it and i felt like it brought me into this whole new state of being mentally um and that's why when i've used the metaphor before of like mind body and soul i feel like sensualism is the way to connect with the body stoicism is the way to connect with the mind and you know, boudoir art in general is a huge way to connect with your soul, you know? Um, And so I found all these things separately, but then I reached a point in my life where like, I felt like I had been on this journey with myself, assembling all these tools. And then I was finally able to put them together in a way that could help people. Um, And, and that's really like (laughs) how I discovered those things. And, I just kind of like merged them. And that's how I I give back. And even through like my coaching, I feel like I use the philosophy of stoicism significantly in that. And that is very, very helpful to people. Because again, it, it um, helps them learn how to like center themselves and focus entirely on themselves and how they respond to the world at large and how they view themselves too.
0: Absolutely. And it makes me think about like, a couple things it makes me think about like the the balance of the two like i i think about like getting personal for a minute my own astrology chart my venus is opposed to my saturn um or in opposition to or however you say that and it makes me think about like the embodiment of how i feel those things like i feel emotions so deeply and profoundly and i love that about myself and it's also really important for me to have boundaries and limits and like, um, to understand the art of restraint, if you will, um, so mm-hmm. that I don't get lost in that. And it makes me think also about going back. is there an echo, by the way?, uh, no, not on my end. Okay, good. Um, hopefully there's no echo for all of y'all listening. if there mm. is, I am so sorry. <laughs> so. <laughs> It makes me think about um, the moon card in the tarot as well. Like how, and I think we were, so we were out uh, doing some tarot and mocktails last night at one of our favorite bars and we were talking about the moon card and how the moon represents our deepest fears and stressors and like the most vulnerable emotions that we can feel again, like that primordial fear, anxiety, trauma, all of that. And it also represents the most potent and profound like ecstasy and joy and just like this enraptured feeling of like being in love or being, you know, at a concert and all of these experiences of like deep, profound, fulfilling joy. And the moon holds all of those things and everything in between And if you look at the traditional imagery of the moon card on the Rider-Waite or Smith-Waite decks, you'll see there are these two pillars that are containing the moon and its energy because otherwise it would all just spill out and go everywhere and be overwhelming and untenable. And so we need the balance of like, the sensuality, the ability to feel and experience everything fully and profoundly and beautifully. And we also need the balance of stoicism or that kind of Saturnine influence of containment and limits and restraint and discipline in order Mm -hmm. to make sure that it doesn't just go everywhere and we don't get anything done.
1: <laughs> well, yes, exactly. And I think that's how a lot of people don't really understand how stoicism and sensualism can go hand in hand in hand. But to me, I think it just is the perfect representation of the balance of all things because as you just said, it's almost like if we were constantly fixating on pleasure, we would lose ourselves in that and we would just be chasing a high all the time. And then in that scenario, the things that bring you joy don't really mean as much because you're chasing a feeling versus the intention of what it is you're doing. Mm-hmm. And you know, just like with stoicism, if you were too con, if you were if you were too strict with your life, if you were too set in your ways, and you know, never really ventured out to try new things or never took risks, if you never were able to, I don't know, make mistakes, you would never really learn. It's important to be able to enjoy life and be able to play and tap into your inner child. But it's also important that you don't get lost in that. Excuse me. Sorry.
0: (laughs) Absolutely. Yeah, no worries. And it made me think about what you said about play. So I'm taking a cognitive development class right now as part of my uh, grad program. And we actually just talked about play last week and how this class is more focused on like childhood cognitive development Um, but they talked about play as this vital aspect of learning and of course like we're always growing and developing like yeah our brains are like part of our brains are technically developed by like 25 which we also talked about last night but we're never done growing and developing and so play is this yeah play is this lifelong vital aspect of development and learning because it is this self-directed unstructured interaction with ourselves and the world and play allows us to develop our values our beliefs um skills like problem solving and intuition um and that is a again consistently developing thing and so it is i would argue absolutely vital to integrate play into our lives no matter what our age so I think that's really important and if we think about intimacy as real true connection with ourselves and with others definitions wise they're not so different
1: yeah no yeah definitely
0: and it also makes me think about like again, going back to kind of like weaving my own work into this with the whole love witch thing, whenever I teach classes on this, I talk about how being a love witch and all of that, and like the fun, exciting, um, kind of dreaming up of what that archetype or aspect of your personality is for you. It's not about copying and pasting one archetype, like, oh, here's how to be like marilyn monroe or here's how to be like elizabeth warren or elaine parks or whatever um did i just say elizabeth warren i meant elizabeth taylor <laughs> <laughs> it's okay <laughs> elizabeth warren could also be a love which nevertheless she persisted and you know, also, did I after making that <laughs> level of a fumble? <laughs> this is why we don't edit it because y'all deserve to hear me calling Elizabeth Warren a love witch. So, carry that <laughs> with you for the rest of your life. <laughs> oh, gosh. Anyway, <laughs> so again, like embodying that love witch archetype is about finding what makes you as an individual feel uniquely attractive and sensual and all of those wonderful things. Um, and so for me, that looks like, you know, having long nails, uh, doing having no makeup, wearing all black all the time, uh, having my long hair, uh, being this weird, strange mosaic of witchcraft, sex ed, metal and hardcore, nature like all of this stuff and I love it and so I wanted to ask you Davina like what is that for you and I I know I didn't Mm -hmm. like plan on asking you this question but like when I (laughs) surprise when I talk about like you know this kind of like sensualist like love witch archetype like things that make you feel uniquely powerful attractive magnetic all of those things like what comes to mind for you whether it's like aspects of yourself or like routines and regimens and practices like what comes Mm -hmm. up well the first the first thought because when you were talking about archetypes
1: so going to like the tarot deck the two cards that I always say I feel like are like the closest to like me and my soul I always think of, well, not two, three, excuse me. I think of the queen of wands, ultimately. Mm-hmm. I'm like, yes, that is 100% me, very like, not only confident, but can be quite, kind of loud. I'm a Leo rising, so I'm a little bit theatrical. I get very sassy from time to time, <laughs> um, like living very passionately and full, almost kind of like that same like lioness energy. Um, but I also think of the Empress because that's an archetype that can also be associated with not only the lover, but the mother having that very like nurturing and very feminine spirit and way to you. And then the other one would be the the chariot. And to me, that's very like ambitious, strong, tough, the protector, the one who like goes and does the thing and accomplishes it. Like for me, even when I think about my style, it's funny because I feel like as we were talking about yesterday, I'm either wearing some type of very like, you know, shorter body con dress, something that really accentuates the curves, very feminine, very elegant. I love wearing all black as well. And I always love having long nails. Those are like my two things. Um <laughs> but if I'm if I'm not in that attire, then I'm usually wearing some type of like athletic wear, like body con high-waisted pants and like a sports bra which almost kind of makes me look a little like I don't want to say tough because I don't want it to sound like I'm like trying to look like I'm gonna go kick someone's ass but it almost it gives off a different energy it's more of like (laughs) um the word that just keeps coming to mind is like warrior (laughs) Mm -hmm. like you know it's just it's it's so different but I feel like those are the two aspects of me like I've always been very in touch with my very like feminine and nurturing and loving and sensual side, but then also the part of me that's like very ambitious and wants to be athletic and is very driven in a different way. And so I don't know, I guess like how I embody that, the things that feel good to me. um, You know, I love in terms of fashion, as I said, I love like the black dress. I love the long nails in terms of makeup, I love eyeliner. I have always been obsessed with like Egyptian culture and style. So I love doing my makeup in a very particular way. And it's very like unique to like my self-expression. I really love that element, but most of the time, like I I haven't been wearing makeup all that much. That's just when I do. Um, But those are like some of the things visually, but I just love being in my body. I feel like I just love being outside. I love nature. I love just being active and those things like make me feel beautiful, (laughs) even though they're not typically glamorous things. Those are things that make me feel the most like myself. Like when I'm dancing, for example, that is something I feel so beautiful in that way, because it feels like I'm connecting with myself in this like very fun and very free flowing uh, form. And, yeah, I feel like all the things that make me feel beautiful have never been things that have been, like, in the norm. I I have never felt like I've followed trends of any kind. I feel like all the things that I love are very unique to me.
0: Absolutely. And, and I love that you emphasize that it's not so much about, like, how is this going to look? How is this going to mm-hmm. appear? Um, yeah. How no. is this going to be perceived on social media or whatever. It's more about Mm -hmm. like that real raw experience and allowing yourself to be multifaceted. It it makes me think Mm -hmm. about like, and just allowing yourself to be yourself. Like we are not, even though so many people are becoming a brand or have made themselves into a brand, myself included, I am not absolved from this. My mm-hmm. business is me. I am the brand. And at no, the same Sam. time, <laughs> exactly. And at the same <laughs> time, I would like to think of myself as being authentic. Like one of my friends asked me a uh, few weeks ago, like, are you worried when you go out about people running into you and like seeing like the real you? And I was like, I'm actually like, not to sound conceited, but like, I'm actually not, you know? like, I am who I am. I don't try to be a different person. I was like hanging out, getting my hair done. And my hairstylist lady was like, yeah, like you are exactly the same in real life as you are on social media. Like there's no difference. Yeah. And that and
1: that's is the amazing. biggest compliment. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I think because that is the biggest compliment because so many of us, we are so consumed by our brand or our image that we live in fear of doing something as simple as going to the grocery store and being seen. And it's, mm-hmm. it's such a poor way to live. It's just like, that's how celebrities feel in Hollywood, you know, feeling like you, the second you step out of your house, like you have all these eyes on you and it's, it's just not, it's not a genuine way to live and it's not a happy way. So when you're able to have your brand or, you know, your, your public image be you, that is just the best way to be and i also think that that sh- like people can really see who you are and how happy you are when you live like that because again you're living authentically so exactly. and that i feel like is way more attractive than anything else because people can really be like wow you're so like happy with yourself you know you're not putting on a mask for anyone and you're not putting on a mask for yourself you're exactly. just you're just you. And in our society, so many of us mask. And especially if we have businesses and companies and stuff, oh my God, it's it's even like harder to to be a real person.
0: Yeah. And I was actually talking about this with someone recently, how so many of us create and maintain those masks and become a caricature of ourselves because yeah, it's good for marketing. Like if you portray this very caricaturized version of yourself, this very exuberant or heavily branded and polished, whatever that is useful for marketing. But at the same time, it creates this kind of like Ken type uh, Mm -hmm. coat over us, um, this protective wall, because it is less painful to be potentially rejected for a facade that we are putting on mm-hmm. than to be potentially rejected for who we really are. And when I've exactly. spoken, yeah, when I've spoken to clients about this, like, and I've brought that up, like, do you find that you put on this portrayal of yourself, this version of yourself, this, I, I hate to call it fake because like, we're all just doing the best we can. But when I bring this up and I'm like, is it because it would be more painful for you to put your real self out there and potentially get rejected for who you really are? Exactly. The answer is usually yes. And the sad thing is, but also the good thing is that when people really are themselves, like I was talking to a client and she like was hanging out with a group of friends and um was interested in someone, but like for some reason thought that they were in a relationship. And so she was like not, she was usually a a pretty uh, self-conscious individual, but she was not worried at all about how she portrayed herself because she thought that this person was already taken. So she was like, oh, there's no chance, like whatever, I don't have to worry about it. And so she just was her funny, like genuine, goofy, whatever self and mm-hmm, yeah. this person was like, totally enraptured by her and enthralled by her. And so like all is well now. But it just really goes to show that as much as it's fun to think of like the love witch archetype as this like, metaphorical outfit we put on of like, ooh, casting this glamour spell and like, being this sensualized, like, salacious version of myself, the real kind of love which practice, if you will, is being yourself and allowing yourself to be who you really are. Because as much as it might sound cliche, that is the most attractive and irresistibly magnetic thing about you. Probably because in part, it requires this innate courageousness to To kind of like take on the mantle of, yes, I could be potentially rejected for who I really am. And that is a very painful and scary thing for a lot of people. And that's why a lot of people hide who they really are. And at the same yeah. time, if we can take on that courage and kind of that chariot-like um, warrior mentality of like, I'm going to quote unquote fight or exist for what I believe to be true what feels true for me then we attract people who are genuinely attracted to who we are um Mm -hmm. the people that are not attracted to us genuinely self-select out of our lives for the most part and it is just such a like that to me is true liberation if you will yeah yeah exactly and and
1: that's like the whole that's what I do with my boudoir photography you know I feel like that is, like, the core value of it. Mm-hmm. And so it's just, yeah, being That's able scary. to just, like, be really real with yourself. And, um, you know, I think it all starts by not rejecting yourself, you know. I genuinely believe the more you accept who you truly are, the less you will really care about people rejecting you or saying certain things about you because they don't know the real you whereas if you live a life constantly masking and trying to be in this constant you know like state of glamour then you're not you're kind of living your life as a character it's like a a tiny extension of who you are it's not the all encompassing and it will like the more you do that the older you get it's you will become more fearful to really be you because it's like you end up building this life around this facade.
0: Exactly. And I I know some glamour witches <laughs> and it is so profound to see those whose glamour comes from really truly being themselves. Mm -hmm. As opposed to, and like I had one of them as a a prior podcast guest, um, Gabby, the stylist witch, who if you're listening to this and you haven't listened to that episode, I would definitely recommend giving it a listen. Um, And she is one of these glamour witches that you can really tell that her practice is like a keystone of her practice is being who you really are, as opposed to placing a facade upon yourself. And mm. it just it's just like listening to her talk and speak about her work and her values and all of that, like at least for me, makes me feel closer to myself and more like the version of myself that I really want to be, which as I mentioned to you just yesterday when we hung out, that is like a key tenet of all of my relationships with myself and with others is like feeling more closely connected to the version of myself that I feel I truly am and the version Mm -hmm. of myself that I want to be.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: Yeah. That's beautiful. Thank you. Um, (laughs) As we wrap up, do you have any advice that we haven't yet talked about um, for those that might be listening who want to start or expand on a sensuality practice?
1: Ooh, oh my goodness.
0: So it's, it's one of those things that's so different per
1: person as simple as it sounds. I always say like, try to find the things that work for you, you know, try new things, but try, don't try to be like everybody else. Don't try to follow like a step-by-step program that someone has curated for you. Not to say that that's not helpful, but I really think you have to listen to your body. It's about being very intuitive, even if it's something super small, like I said, like you know, the way a certain type of fabric feels on your skin or the way a certain scent um, is. (laughs) It's like really, you really have to sit in stillness with it. Like you really have to be on your own and explore your body and really get in touch with yourself and find like how your body operates and responds to things. I think it's a, it's a really, it's a a journey that you really have to do entirely on your own.
0: Absolutely. And when I think about when I hear you talking about this, it makes me think about peak motivational experiences, if you will. And, Mm -hmm. um, when I was studying like objectification and self-objectification theory, it talks about how constant body checking, body monitoring, and I, Mm -hmm. I apologize content warning for those who don't want to hear about body image stuff. Um, but again, when, when, especially, unfortunately, women, but people of all genders, Um, when there is this constant body checking, self-monitoring, whether it's like, am I standing up straight enough? Or how does this part of my body look? Or whatever. Those things interrupt these peak motivational experiences like sexuality, like enjoying the beauty of a sunset, anything of enjoying the present moment and so as kind of a healing balm to that if someone maybe keeps a sensuality journal and takes Mm -hmm. a, a moment or so at the end of the day or whenever to even write down like some peak experiences within their day like oh I you know, went canoeing and just loved enjoying the peace of the lake, or I flipped a card today and it was the queen of swords and I loved the imagery of the card and it made me feel so powerful or whatever the case may be.
1: Exactly. Yeah, definitely. And I want to say there was this quote that, you know, this conversation made me think of in terms of finding your sensuality. I think something to remember is that the path doesn't exist until you walk it. Mm. And so that was something that I heard recently that really sat with me because a lot of the times we won't start if we feel like we don't know if we don't have all the answers, but really it's about taking the first step. And the more you do it, whatever that step looks like for you, like you'll, you'll get a natural rhythm of things. And slowly but surely, you know, things will start to piece together. It's again, it's just about listening to yourself and finding out what you like, even if it's something like, say you go into a, I don't know, a random clothing store and you discover you like a color or the way a certain fabric fits on you, or you want to put specific flowers in your room, or you like a certain color on your walls. Like, it's really just like, going down to like the tiny details. And it's something that you will only learn the more you do it. And you just you just have to like keep at it and keep exploring and make it fun. You know, make it something like it's about just discovering who you are and to just stay curious and don't fixate on the outcome or the goal. It's just really about being present with it and enjoying the process of discovering that part of yourself.
0: Absolutely. And it really makes me think that like, especially in America, I feel we are very um, fixated on one size fits all and Mm -hmm. these kind of, you know, this one formula will elicit the same outcome for everyone. And you cannot possibly, whether it's medical advice or psychological advice or legal advice or any type of counsel that we might be getting we don't expect any of that to all work the same like no one could um, speak one type of medical legal whatever advice and have it apply equally for everyone I mean maybe but as a general rule probably not
1: and so with
0: with this kind of self-development stuff we cannot expect the same advice or the same formula to work for everyone in the same way because our minds our bodies our souls all operate in different unique ways and so it's kind of like it's not so much this one type of advice will work for you it's more like about finding the things that inspire you the pieces of advice the pieces of philosophy the activities the practices whatever that make you feel that little like ooh i feel you know yeah. a little more alive and connected mm-hmm. with myself than i did before i heard or experienced that and that's the thing that we want to um really enjoy and take in and encourage more of consistently yeah exactly <laughs> Amazing. All right. So as we wrap up, cause I try my best to keep this at or under an hour. It's really hard, especially with you, Davina, but <laughs> I know. as we wrap up, um, how can people stay connected with you or get connected with you and how can they work with you if they want to? Yeah.
1: Um, well, the best way to find me, I mean, I'm on social media. I have Instagram as does basically everyone. I'm not really on TikTok or or Twitter unfortunately but you know I feel like Instagram is the best way to find me. I do have a website. My website's linked on there, devinaderis.com. That would probably be the best way to really get in touch with me because I have all my information on there if someone want if someone wants to book something with me, everything like all the information that you need to find is there. Um, as, as simple as it sounds, it's like either social media, my website, or my email address, DavinaDaris at gmail.com. <laughs> I'm just putting it all out there. And I, I always tell people, you know, never, never feel nervous to talk to me. I am, I feel like I'm really easy to talk to. And I always ask people when they're approaching me or when they're acquiring me, you know, to really tell me like where they are on their journey, how I can best be of service to them. Um, and yeah, and I have like the way that I do things, I do a consultation with everyone first, so you can really, you know, get to know me on a personal level. I like my methods to be as human as possible. I never want people to feel like they can't work with me because they don't look a certain way or, or anything of that manner. This, my entire process is always about the person and, you know, sounds so simple, but I'm like, just talk to me and I'm, I'm here to listen <laughs> tell me who you are and your story and how I can, you know, best shine a light on you. So it's like, this whole thing is about you. And, and even when people see my work, um, going back to like what we had said before of like, um, just like being authentic and not in glamor mode, you'll see that in my portfolio, all the people I work with all look vastly different from each other. Beauty looks different to every single one of them. Empowerment looks different to every single one. But the one thing that they have in common is that they're all beautiful because they are standing in their own light. So uh <laughs> I always try to tell people, I'm like, that's what this is about. <laughs> you're not oh, trying to fit so
0: beautiful. Yeah,
1: I'm like, you're not trying to fit a mold. You're just being
0: you. <laughs> exactly. Oh, and that's why I adore you. Oh my gosh. Well Oh, I adore you. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh we're gonna have a little wah session on the podcast oh my goodness um you know for those of you who don't know um uh, sometimes Davina and i just stare at each other and we kind of just like cry about how much we love each other it's fine <laughs> I know. oh my People, gosh they're just like are you in love <laughs> maybe in a way yes Oh yes, my spiritually. gosh. Oh, spiritually, yes. oh. Well, Davina, thank you so much for coming on here and for having this conversation with me. It's yeah, always uh, a pleasure, whether it's recorded or not. But I'm really glad that we finally captured one of our famous conversations, famous between the two of us, and now hopefully amongst the people in general. <laughs> yes. And hopefully there'll be many more. I hope so. Oh my gosh. Well, thank you again. Um, as she said. If you would like to reach out to Davina, follow her on Instagram, connect with her, book a session with her. I highly recommend it. I know exactly what it's like. It's a wonderful and supportive experience. Um, And thank you again for taking the time to listen to this and for navigating our always interesting, unfiltered, unedited conversations. So Mm -hmm. again, as always, if you ever have any questions, comments, feel free to reach out to me either on Instagram or on email at Gwen at GwenWalsh.com. Always happy to hear your feedback on the podcast. If you have any, again, questions, comments, recommendations for future topics, whatever. And I hope that you enjoyed this and that it inspired you today. All right. Yay. Bye, everyone.
1: <laughs> <laughs> bye bye.